Hello and welcome once again to the Court of the Trashy Royals, where we assemble each Thursday to discuss our betters behaving very, very badly. My name is Stacy. Hello everyone, Alicia here. Thank you for joining us for today's tale of a very naughty noble, mm-hmm. Crown Prince Rudolph of Austria. Oh my. Mm-hmm. I know I promised that we were going to do Queen Victoria and Albert's mm-hmm. nine kids. Sure. But holy cats, we're switching up the order just a little bit for all my lovely litter bugs out there (laughs) who were really into 19th century trash. So many of y'all have requested this story just in the last few weeks, Andrea and Sabrina being the last. We're going to switch it up today, heading over to the Austro-Hungarian Empire for the trashy tale of Crown Prince Rudolf of Austria and the Mayerling Incident. This story has everything. Mystery, scandals, imago, death, murder. Oh my God. It's wonderful. I mean, it's terrible, but it's wonderful too. Before we get to Crown Prince Rudolph, let's go ahead and give a shout out. I have a scroll here with some good nobles. Indeed. Thank you for joining us at patreon.com slash trashy royals podcast for ad free listening. Trish B. Allie P. Christine H. and Paula B. Y'all are very much the best, ye good nobles. We really appreciate everybody supporting us over at Patreon for two bucks a month. Easiest Patreon in the world if you like what we do. Early ad-free episodes. That's it. So simple. So classy. Unlike Crown Prince Rudolph. Let me go ahead and just give you a little lead-in. Let's just summarize just a little bit before we dip down into this 19th century trash hole. Crown Prince Rudolf was the heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Here's the thing about Rudolf. He dies in a mysterious and tragic way at the age of 30. Old Rudy was discovered in his bedroom with a bullet in his head at his hunting lodge in Mayerling. If that wasn't shocking enough, Crown Prince Rudolf was not the only dead body found in that room on a cold January day in 1889. Also, with old Rudolph, laying on the bed near him was his 17-year-old mistress, Baroness Mary Vetsera. Baroness Mary was naked, with roses in her hands and in her hair. The cause of their deaths would be the subject of mystery, speculation, and intense scandal. But what no one realizes at the time is that these deaths will also foreshadow the end of the Habsburg monarchy, and ultimately be an indirect cause to World War I. Hmm. This sounds like it has a lot. It has everything. Let us anon to crown Prince Rudolf of Austria. So let's talk about Crown Prince Rudy. Oh, Crown Prince Rudolph of Austria. Again, 19th century. We're all kind of playing in the same thing. We're going to meet Bertie and Vicky. It all really is connected. Old Crown Prince. He was born on August 21st, 1858. Rudolph is the only son and heir of Emperor Franz Joseph of Austria and Empress Elizabeth of Austria. Empress Elizabeth is also known as Cici, S-I-S-I. We are going to talk about her today a little bit, but her whole story is just fascinating all on its own. The thing about Cici, Empress Elizabeth, she was known for her incredible beauty and especially prized for her long, lustrous hair. Hair's a big deal to Cici. Franz Joseph, the emperor, he's kind of a trash bag. He was originally supposed to marry Cece's older sister, but then Franz Joseph sees... He saw the hair. He saw the hair. He saw her lustrous hair. He sees 15-year-old Elizabeth, who was prettier than her older sister, and Franz Joseph wanted to marry Elizabeth instead. Little Cece was 16 when they married Franz Joseph, 24. 
That's actually a fairly small age gap given the time period. Correct. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not the worst we've seen. So Rudolph comes into the world after two older sisters. Sisters, disappointment, we need an heir. Mm -hmm. So when a son is born, naturally the emperor is thrilled. Empress Cece is pretty happy too. She knows that she's fulfilled her marital duty to the empire. And little Rudolph, the day after his birth, he was appointed, you ready? Commander of an infantry regiment. Infant tree. Infant tree is right. At the age awesome. the age of one day. At the age of one day. Infantry. <laughs> at the age of two, little Rudolph was given his first military uniform to wear. Hmm. This is, I mean, it's not a great upbringing, to be fair. So Prince Rudolph doesn't have a very happy childhood. I can't believe they let him be out of uniform for two whole years. <laughs> As was customary of royal or aristocratic families at the time, Rudolph's parents, Franz Joseph and Cece, aren't that affectionate. They don't spend a lot of time with him, but instead leave the baby, leave all their kids, really, in the care of carefully chosen others. Rudolph's paternal grandmother, this is Archduchess Sophie, takes control of her grandchildren pretty much as soon as they're born. Archduchess Sophie essentially disallows Empress Cece from having any kind of say in their upbringing. This is going to come back around later. So what happens? This enforced distance between Cece and her kids causes a real lack of bond. There's no maternal influence on the young children. As a result, Rudolph will long for his mother's attention and affection his entire life. Now, infantry. <laughs> now he's got his little uniform. Yup. The responsibility of Rudolph's early education was given to a major general that the emperor entrusted to instill the virtues that Franz Joseph needs instilled. What are those? Discipline, obedience, and endurance. These are the things Emperor Franz Joseph values. But old Rudolph isn't like his dad. He's kind of sensitive. He's a little bit anxious. He is a boy much more interested in academic learning than military training. This doesn't please the emperor. Old daddy Franz is like, mm, I really don't like that you're not interested in the things that I believe are worthy. Quit reading books. <laughs> like so many fathers of sons all through time, old emperor Franz feels like he needs to toughen up his son in order to make him fit for his future role as emperor. Hooray. Now, the major general who's teaching old Rudolph, his methods are extreme, incredibly harsh. Let me give you just an example here. The major general, one of his fun tactics was to wake Rudolph up in the middle of the night with pistol shots. <sighs> just guns going mm. off around. That'd wake you up. Yep. On another occasion... The Major General takes young Rudolph to a game park near Vienna and pushes him in and shouts, A wild boar is coming! And then the Major General goes away and just lets Rudolph be terrified that he'd be eaten by a wild boar. Ah, such fun times we had there in the game park. <laughs> so Empress Cece gets a wind that the Major General is pretty much torturing her son. When Cece learns of this treatment, she puts her foot down, and she tells her husband, Emperor Franz Joseph, that either she would have a say in Rudolph's upbringing and education, or she's going to leave the Emperor. Hmm. Interesting. Quite a bargain, right? Mm. Franz Joseph, having his Empress leave, holy no, that would be so humiliating to him. So Franz Joseph relents. So now, Empress Elizabeth Cece is making decisions for Rudolph. And Rudolph's education is still very comprehensive, but now he's studying subjects, language, serious religious instruction. He's all into the books. He's doing the things he likes to do. Mm -hmm. And although Rudolph's life does improve after Cece starts to have some influence in his education and upbringing, it's so bad for Rudolph, you ready? Cece quickly loses interest, which creates a sense of abandonment. Because what happens? 
When Rudolph is 10, so 1868, Empress Elizabeth gives birth to her youngest child. This is a daughter. Her name is Valerie. Mm. And Elizabeth now with the bargain she's come to with the emperor, Elizabeth for one for one time only, FOMO, has the ability to raise a child. She can raise her. Franz is backed off and Elizabeth now is given free access to one of her children for the first time. So what happens? Cece, all about Valerie. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Valerie? Valerie hangs the moon. All about that baby. All about that baby. Cece pours every bit of love and attention on Valerie, mm-hmm. the baby. She's uh, beautiful and delightful and everything. So wonderful. Soft. Pitch her little cheeks. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is the first time Elizabeth sure. has been able to raise one of her babies mm-hmm. from the time they were born. So Cece really basks in that experience. She becomes devoted to Valerie. And as a result, essentially quits thinking at all about her son, Rudolph. Which certainly is, at the very least, how he felt, whether or not that is 100% accurate. But I yeah. mean, it's kind of mostly accurate. Okay. So at this point, his governor was left to take the place of both parents for Rudolph. Already having a somewhat fragile disposition, you could say, and then being traumatized by his earlier experiences... And his mother's almost complete disregard. Abandonment in some ways. 100% was enough to push young Rudolph to the verge of a nervous breakdown. As was typical of that time, nobody really paid much attention or cared too much uh, about a person's mental health. Certainly the future emperor of the Austro-Hungarian Empire couldn't be seen as mentally or emotionally frail. So any challenges that Rudolph had were never really addressed. So we've made old Rudy to adolescence. You got to fight for your right to party. It's coming. <laughs> Let's talk about Rudolph's teen years and, whoa, an astonishing comment from Bertie, the Prince of Wales. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's connected to everybody. So let's talk about how this breaks down. The thing you want to know about Rudolph, he's not really interested in the ways of the court. He's not aligned with the conservative mindset and the ideas of the aristocracy. He's pretty progressive, and through his contact with intellectuals and scientists and academics, Rudolph's worldview grew even more different day by day than that of his father. And the court, to be fair. Rudolph's a little different. One activity that Rudolph had been able to participate in with his mother was going to England on hunting trips. And while they were in England, here Rudolph would spend time with Queen Victoria. During these and other occasions, Rudolph, Crown Prince, and the Prince of Wales, Albert Bertie, become friends. Now, Rudolph had been a favorite of Queen Victoria, And through her, Rudolph really comes to favor the concept of a liberal constitutional monarchy. I bet dad lost his mind. (laughs) You could say that troubled his father, Franz Joseph. Franz Joseph's uncle, the Archduke Albrecht, wrote about a teenage Rudolph. The young, overexcited mind of the crown prince, the immaturity of his way of thinking, The extravagance of his undoubtedly high intelligence makes me worry that he will assimilate ideas and tendencies which would not be compatible with the conservative character of a future monarch. Now, by this time, Franz Joseph, the emperor, had already embarked on his two longest-lasting affairs. One is with the 16-year-old that the emperor takes as his mistress for nearly 15 years, There's another decades-long relationship with an actress. Her name is Katharina Schratt, who will become the emperor's primary companion. Cece isn't real interested in having any kind of intimate relationship with her husband after the kids were born. So Cece here does approve of the emperor's mistresses and doesn't try to impede any part of that relationship. She can spend more time with her hair. (laughs) (laughs) This type of marital arrangement was something that was presented to Rudolph as normal. This is status quo. This is, as the heir, what you should expect. You get married for 
dynastic duty and then just go do what you want. It's all good. Everybody knows the rules. A teenage Rudolph, pretty randy. He's really interested in girls from a young age. And like a lot of princes that we see in his position, most women are available to Rudolph. In fact, when Rudolph was 16, his father asked one of his courtiers to, quote, procure a healthy, discreet young woman to shepherd Rudolph through his first sexual encounter, unquote. Turns out Rudolph is pretty charming, and soon enough, no help is needed mm-hmm. procuring women sure. to sleep with Rudolph. There's a counselor at the German embassy in Vienna who writes of Rudolph, Female hearts positively dropped into the lap of the crown prince. Many young ladies considered surrendering to the young, elegant, and charming prince as nothing short of their patriotic duty. <laughs> Close your eyes and do it for Austria. So we did take a little bit of a detour. We haven't talked too much about Bertie. We're going to get to him. So everybody sit down. I know this may be a little shocking for anyone who knows anything about Bertie, the Prince of Wales, Queen Victoria's eldest son. Bertie and Rudolph are contemporaries. Bertie's born in 1841. Rudolph here born in 1858. So they're not that far apart. Bertie... The Prince of Wales. This is the man that had a sex sleigh Mm -hmm. built for him. In Paris, right? Yeah, in Paris. Honestly, because he's a little too tubby. He's, you know, he's got a a little bit of chonk. So he has a sex sleigh built for easier lovemaking. At a a brothel, I believe. Correct. Yes. So he's known in history as Dirty Birdie Mm -hmm. or Edward the Caresser. I need to let you know that, like, Birdie has a lot, a lot of ladies. So... This is the shocking part. <laughs> Bertie will later become King Edward VII. Mm-hmm. Groping Edward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I made that up. Bertie, though, holy cats, is even impressed with his younger contemporaries' number of lady scores. Okay, this is what Bertie writes about a 19-year-old Rudolph after a visit to London in 1878. For a young man of his age, it is surprising how much Rudolph knows about sexual matters. There is nothing I could teach him. And this is Bertie, 15 years mm-hmm. older, who's yeah. already been mm-hmm. pretty much a having prince. sex in yeah. every country you can. Mm-hmm. Holy cats. Another cousin will describe Rudolph as quote unquote mad about women, emphasizing that he saw no reason to deny himself. So Crown Prince Rudolph not denying himself and the charms and comforts of many different women, but he still has to marry a suitable wife and have heirs. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Rudolph's unhappy marriage to what he calls a clumsy oaf. Oh, sounds great. We will see you on the flip. Being a part of a royal family might seem enticing, but more often than not, it comes at the expense of everything else, like your freedom, your privacy, and sometimes even your head. Wondery's new podcast, Even the Royals, pulls back the curtain on royal families, past and present from all over the world, to show you the darker side of what it means to be royalty. From icons like Grace Kelly, Oscar-winning actress turned Princess of Monaco, who the world saw as the ultimate good girl, She mastered playing a happy wife and mother, but beneath it all, she was desperately lonely. Grace spent her whole life working towards perfection, and it ultimately cost her her happiness. Or King Ludwig II from Bavaria. He was only 18 when his father died, leaving the crown to him and a duty to rule that he never wanted. He refused to lead and used funds from the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. (laughs) But this choice eventually cost him the crown. And his life. Mm. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge Even the Royals ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude. Stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. 
All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Rough bros. Good job. By the time that Rudolph is 20, Franz Joseph the Emperor having none of it. Son, it is time for you to find a suitable wife. And Rudolph, to be fair, is quickly gaining a reputation as having questionable morals, spending his time frivolously, and was consorting with people that his father felt were far too liberal and not appropriate to consort with for a future monarch. Franz Joseph is also anxious for his son to secure an heir in order for the Habsburg monarchy to maintain its strength and not be questioned. So Rudolf, uh, his moody behavior and dubious morals, already worried his family and even made his own mother Cece doubt his ability to be a good husband. During this time of searching for a bride, Empress Elizabeth Cece is reported to have said that she, quote, had pity on the poor princess who would have the honor of being chosen, unquote. Isn't that terrible? That is quite the statement. So when Emperor Franz Joseph decides it's time for Rudolf to marry, there are a lot of requirements to consider. And although the emperor was not necessarily opposed to his son marrying for love, whoever he wanted for a bride would have to be a Catholic princess of suitable age and rank. This will limit Rudolf's options greatly. One option that met the requirements was a princess from Saxony, who Rudolf declined because he found her too fat. Another option offered to Rudolf was the Infanta of Spain. She was presented as an option, but Rudolf declined the Infanta because she was too plain. Hmm. This is kind of like Goldilocks yeah, and the Three bit. Bears. Yeah. There's one remaining suitable option, and that is Princess Stephanie of Belgium. Stephanie was the second daughter of King Leopold II, who was an entire episode of Trashy Royals on his own. Princess Stephanie's mother was Archduchess Maria Henriette, the daughter of Archduke Joseph Anton, who was the founder of the Hungarian Habsburg line. This made Stephanie half Habsburg on her mother's side, which essentially meant that Stephanie and Rudolph were... Cousins... Kissing cousins. Mm -hmm. It's unknown why Rudolph found Stephanie to be a preferable choice as opposed to his other options because there's not really a complimentary account of Stephanie's appearance or personality that exists. Steph was pretty tall and not especially pretty. Rudolph's mother, Empress Cece, called her a clumsy oaf. That's one. Hmm. Also called her an ugly bumpkin. Wow. Stephanie, I you she feel was, bad. She was just the one, the option he disliked least. Is that sort of what kind we of it, have arrived yeah. at? Okay. Stephanie's personality was described as anywhere from dull to unattractive. Both of those are quotes. Poor Stephanie, little princess, learns of her impending engagement from her parents when she was 15 years mm. old. She will write about it later. Quote, in the afternoon of 5 March, my parents called me. When I made my entrance, my father stood up, came to see me, and said in a deep voice, The crown prince of Austria-Hungary has come here to ask for your hand. Your mother and I are all in favor of this marriage. We have chosen you to be Empress of Austria and Queen of Hungary. Go away, think about it, and give us your answer tomorrow. Business-like? I don't think there was much thinking about it. I think the answer was already predisposed. Mm -hmm. In order to formalize the betrothal, though, the 21-year-old Rudolph travels to Brussels with 21 courtiers, including, helpfully, Rudolph's mistress. Excellent. Why travel without her? (laughs) Throw her in the luggage. Just, yeah, pack her up. The wedding between Prince Rudolph and Princess Stephanie was set for May the 10th, 1881. The pair were married in a lavish state affair at the Augustinian Church in Vienna. Sadly, though, it is way obvious from the very beginning, from minute one, that these two are not compatible. Stephanie was very conservative and described as quote-unquote haughty, while Rudolph was increasingly trying to distance himself from anyone conservative or haughty. Rudolph, by the day, is becoming more and more unconventional. He's getting more liberal 
every day, every day that goes by. The chasm between Rudolf and his father, Emperor Franz Joseph, is widening as well. Despite their troubles, the couple will have a child. Stephanie gives birth to a daughter that they'll name Elizabeth Marie, September 2nd, 1881. So it doesn't take all that long. They do the duty, but again, not a son. Archduchess Elizabeth Marie would grow up to have a controversial life with many affairs, resulting in a long and sensational legal battle. She will be dubbed the Red Archduchess for becoming a socialist. Oh, We have so many trashy royals to talk about. By the time of Elizabeth Marie's birth, the couple, Stephanie and Rudolph, basically have no relationship, and Rudolph is spending his time in brothels and comforting himself with other women and copious amounts of alcohol. This is a little section of the story I like to call so many women, so much misogyny, and the box system. Dun, dun, dun. Rudolph, not discreet at all about his womanizing, nor did he have a preference for married or unmarried mistresses. Didn't matter. Rudolph charms more women than the Courtiers could keep up with, and it was noted how quickly Rudolph grew tired and bored of a mistress before Mm -hmm. moving on to the next. One courtier said that Rudolph had, quote, very little regard for women outside their appointed role in the order of things, unquote. Mm. Now, Rudolph, for his part, doesn't deny his behavior or feelings about women. He will write, classy guy, that women were, quote, Eternal victims of self-delusion willing to abandon any principles in pursuit of romance, unquote. Cool guy. He once complained, Rudolph did, by saying, How tedious some women. Women bore me to death when they're not laughing or singing. As a matter of fact, are they good for anything else? Rudolph begins to spend a lot of time with a dancer. Her name is Mizzy Casper. She was a perfect antidote for the complaints he had about his life because old Mizzy was unpretentious, relaxed. She's pretty. She's easy to be around. And after spending a bit more and more time with Mizzy Casper, Rudolph starts bringing her on some of his unofficial trips and appointments. But this doesn't mean that old Mizzy was his only liaison at the time. Rudolph begins entering his sexual partners in a specially coded ledger. Yep, he's got his own little book. And if he uses red ink, Rudolph had taken that particular girl's virginity. Oh, God. Rudolph will also develop a system that he follows when he was excusing them from bedroom duties. Women not belonging to princely families received a silvery box engraved with his signature and coat of arms to signify that their affair was over. Here's a nice silver box. I'll write my name. And my coat of arms. This is women belonging to princely families. Mm -hmm. There's a system. Sure. So noble women admitted to court, but not of equal rank to him, receive boxes just stamped with his name and coat of arms to signify time's up. Oh, my God. The women who were not given entree to court, just regular girls, received a box engraved with his name and archducal crown when they were dismissed. How many silver boxes do you think he's got hanging around? Oh, which one's that? Okay, yeah, go to go to stack three. Well, this is demoralizing about the human race. One of the ladies that Rudolph had deflowered got a note with her gift box that asked her to remember him as the person who, quote, introduced you into the mysteries of love, unquote. One of Rudolph's relatives writes, As soon as they had been presented with their cigarette boxes and had been duly entered in his register, the matter was closed for him, for there was little these women could give him. His sexual indulgence was curiosity rather than the urge to satisfy a physical appetite, and curiosity in this sphere was soon satisfied as there was little that was novel in it. We should mention here that several of these women claim to have given birth to Rudolph's illegitimate children mm-hmm. and were in exchange given money for their silence. Many years later, Rudolph's grandson, so this is the son of his daughter, Elizabeth Marie, 
Rudolph's grandson would claim to have discovered that his grandfather Rudolph had over 30-3-0 illegitimate children. My kingdom for a condom. <sighs> My kingdom for a condom is right, because you ready for this next part? Mm. Through all of these sexual conquests, Rudolph developed a sexually transmitted disease, mm-hmm. which most historians believe was likely gonorrhea. Whatever it was, he passes it on to Princess Stephanie, mm-hmm. who becomes infertile as a result. Charming, charming person. Now, this is, you know, Rudolph's to blame here. It's his fault. But Stephanie, Princess Stephanie, now infertile, causes Rudolph to detest Stephanie even more than he already did because it meant that Rudolph can now not secure a legitimate male heir. Maybe zip your pants up. Maybe put your pants on, Rudolph. But what am I to know? Yeah. This will send Rudolph spiraling even more out of control and he will begin to now have even more mood swings and erratic behavior. So the thing we saw as a kid that we left untreated is now going to go boom. Mm -hmm. Also, my kingdom for penicillin, but okay. All of this was happening at the same time that Queen Victoria's oldest grandson and contemporary of Rudolph, Wilhelm. Wilhelm's coming. This is going to be Kaiser Wilhelm. He's anxiously awaiting his turn to rule Germany. So everyone who knew Wilhelm understood how power-hungry he was and how much he desperately wanted to expand Germany's dominance in the world. Wilhelm, just so you know, let's set it in our canon here, has a lifelong feud with his uncle Bertie, Prince of Wales. Wilhelm is Bertie's sister's son, Princess Victoria's son. Kaiser Wilhelm, not even messing around. He has a lifelong feud with his uncle Bertie and would do just about anything, literally anything, to show dominance over his uncle. This would be one of the sparks that would ignite World War I in just a few years. Rudolf, for his part, has always disliked Wilhelm and allies himself with Bertie. Okay. Rudolf once wrote to Princess Stephanie during a visit from the Prince of Wales about his feeling for Bertie. He also includes his feelings for Wilhelm. (laughs) Rudolf writes, Wales is in fine fettle and wants to see everything, take part in everything. Indefatigable, he remains his old self. Nothing seems to tire the old boy. I gladly invite Wales, but I would invite Wilhelm only. To get rid of him by an elegant hunting misadventure. Oh my god. Wow. (laughs) Let's go play with guns. Ha ha. I got some wild boar I'd like Wilhelm to meet. How history would be different, though, had that happened. So let's just say that political tensions in Europe were brewing. The Austrian-Hungarian Empire would be right in the middle of it all. But Crown Prince Rudolph would be dead before the sparks would ignite a world war. Let's take one more quick break here. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the Mayerling incident. Holy cats, (laughs) a story. We'll be right back. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. All right, you lovely litter bugs. This is what y'all want to hear about, so let's get trashy. It is clear to everyone who knows Rudolph that he's going off the rails in several different directions. There's a lot of mental health stuff left untreated, and Rudolph is spiraling. Everybody who knows him sees this. Unhelpfully, Rudolph has also, during this time, developed a fascination with death. He would often ask his friends and shooting companions if they were afraid of death. After his own death, one of Rudolph's assistants reported that whenever he was given news of anyone's death, Rudolph would respond with, he is fortunate. Wow. Okay. 
So let's move our timeline up to 1887, where Missy Casper reports to the chief of police that Crown Prince Rudolph has asked her to join him in a suicide pact. (laughs) Rudolph, quote, found life too great a burden, but thought it was lonely to die alone, unquote. Unsurprisingly, Missy turns down his very generous offer, but when she reports this to the police, Mm -hmm. they ignore her. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, there's not even a tell his dad? No, there's not a tell his dad. There's not a wellness check. There's not an anything. They're just like, Missy, we're done with you. Wow. Because I feel like the monarch might want to know that the crown prince, his heir, is thinking of checking out. Off the rails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Rudolph in that same year, 1887, purchasing a hunting lodge Mm -hmm. at Mayerling in the Vienna Woods. Soon after, he purchases his little hunting lodge. Rudolph will meet a voluptuous and pretty 17-year-old. Her name is Baroness Mary Vetsera. It's easy to imagine that at such a young age, Baroness Mary was smitten with the prince. She adored him and thought Rudolph was the most charming and most handsome man in the world. The two begin their affair, and although Baroness Mary was not the love of Rudolph's life, so regal, so brooding... Rudolph did form a strong bond with Mary and most certainly enjoyed her devotion to him and marveled at how much Mary loved him in an almost fanatical way. Do you see where this is going to go bad? Yeah, I do. Rudolph introduces Baroness Mary to his friends and even Bertie, the Prince of Wales, who will write of Baroness Mary afterward, Quote, she seemed a charming young lady and certainly one of the prettiest and most admired in Vienna. I have known her mother as well as her aunts and uncles for the last 16 years when I was at Vienna. She was not only prettier than Stephanie, but different in every respect, much more petite, much more feminine than the angular crown princess. These dudes are unkind. So unkind. (laughs) So Rudolph, huzzah, I guess, having finally found someone who he could convince to die with him, Uh Rudolph and Mary travel to Mayerling to end their lives together. Nice. In the morning of January 30th, 1889, Rudolph and Mary were both found dead. Mm -hmm. Baroness Mary was laying peacefully on the bed. Rudolph was sitting next to her and had used a mirror that he placed on his bedside table to make sure he found the right spot to shoot himself. Rudolph had died so quickly from the self-inflicted gunshot that his right finger was still in its crooked position when he was found. Rudolph has a mother and a father. They are the emperor and empress, and they are informed of the deaths. And both mom and dad and everyone at court attempts to cover up the truth. Sure, sure. First of all, Mary Vetsera was immediately removed and secretly buried in an unmarked grave. Which sounds horrible for her family, but... According to one account, so much effort was made to make it appear that she was still alive that her uncles forced a broomstick up the back of her clothes and sat her dead corpse between them in a carriage to take her to be buried in that secret grave. The, wow. Uh, okay. You don't even have a weekend at Bernie's joke here? I, that, no, it's terrible. No, that just seems terrible. It's terrible. Um, learning that your child has died and then have, or your, your niece, I suppose, and then having to secretly bury her in an unmarked grave. That you whisk her away to mm-hmm. pretending that she's still alive mm-hmm. with a broomstick up her back. Good Lord. Okay, so once Mary Vetsera is out of the way, the announcement is made that the crown prince Rudolph has died of an aneurysm. No one really believed that he had died of an aneurysm, and the rumor mill naturally starts up. Stories about what happened ranged from an orgy gone wrong to a botched abortion and an assassination attempt by a jealous neighbor. I'm sorry, how would a botched abortion kill him? 
No clue. <laughs> That's, the rumor mill. That is a massively botched abortion indeed. Fake news. Fake news. Right. Well, Mary's dead too. So Mary, oh, I Mary oh, I died see. because mm-hmm. of a botched abortion. Once it was determined that there was no foul play or anyone else involved except for Rudolph and Mary, mm-hmm. didn't matter. Speculation was still constant. Many believed that Mary had been poisoned. Some thought Mary shot Rudolph. And then herself, others wondered if she was, in fact, a willing party. Rudolph's family, the emperor and empress, come up with their own narrative. They suggest to the public that Rudolph and Mary had been murdered by a third party instead of admitting that the prince had shot Mary then himself. They never tried to point the finger at anyone in particular for this mysterious third party. Right. But obviously, this was a better option for them than admitting what had actually happened. Right. And then they wrote a book called, If Rudolph Did It. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rudolph just can't go out quiet. He leaves farewell letters that he had written. Of course he did. While still in Vienna before traveling to Mayerling. Sure. Because Mm -hmm. he's also an egomaniac. Rudolph will write letters to Princess Stephanie Mm -hmm. and Empress Cece and his sister Valerie. His letter to his wife, Princess Stephanie, read, You are relieved of my presence and vexation. Be happy in your own way. Be kind to the poor little one. She is all that remains of me. Give all my friends, particularly Bombells, my last greetings. I approach death composedly. It alone can save my good name. I embrace you tenderly, your loving Rudolph. In the letter to his mother, I know your face, right? I That's don't a lot. quite know what to say about that. Let's go a little further, because Rudolph writes a letter to Empress Cece. His, his mother. His mom, yeah, which speaks of his necessity to die. And then asks to be buried besides, quote, the pure angel who accompanied me into the other world, unquote, meaning Baroness mm-hmm. Mary. In the hidden secret grave, probably not. Once it was evident that he, in fact, shot himself, the church Mm -hmm. naturally objects to Rudolph having a Christian burial. Sure. This appeal had to go all the way to the Pope Mm -hmm. to get approved. The family finally receives permission, but in order to get it, they had to admit that Rudolph was in a state of, quote unquote, mental unbalance. In order to obtain permission for this church burial, Emperor Franz Joseph reportedly sent a long telegram asking the Pope to grant the rights of the church and even threatened to abdicate if this request was refused. Even after the Pope reluctantly granted Rudolf a church burial, the Pope strongly maintains his opposition to it. Emperor Franz Joseph was so offended by this that he exercised his veto in Rampola's election as Pope in 1903. The difficult position that the Pope was in was written about by the German ambassador, Roos, to the foreign ministry. This happens on February 5th, 1889. German ambassador Roos writes, The papal nuncio has told me of the serious embarrassment in which the Pope found himself when he had to give his agreement to a church burial. Had this agreement been refused and were the suicide to be buried without religious rites, the Vienna population would have doubtless rioted. His Majesty the Emperor was therefore greatly worried until the post-mortem had taken place and the assembled doctors and judicial official had declared that madness was possible. Queen Vicky, still sitting in England, she is in a state of shock about these deaths. She was told by Lord Salisbury that Rudolph had been murdered. Bertie, her son, writes his mom, Victoria, and clarifies his position. This happens February 12th, 1889. Bertie writes to his mother, Victoria, You tell me that Salisbury is positive that poor Rudolph and that unfortunate young lady were murdered. All I can say is that everything points to suicide. It seems poor Rudolph has had suicide on the brain for some time past. He wrote letters saying he was going to die, and the poor lady wrote the same to her family. He shot her first, then decked her out with flowers, and then blew his brains out. My friend told me that there was some unknown reason why he committed suicide, and he does not believe that it was on account of the young lady. There are details I could tell you, which I cannot write, which clearly show complete aberration of the mind 
for some time past. The whole story is like a bad dream, and I can think of nothing else. And that's that's Birdie to Queen Victoria? Yes. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Now, Mary's family, they're ordered by Emperor Franz Joseph to leave Vienna. You need to get out. You need to go so far, get in your car and go, and then go further. <laughs> your carriage, your horses, whatever. You got to yeah. get out of Vienna. Yep. Mary's family is not permitted to have anything to do with Mary's grave. Just, you, you got to go. They were told that after the scandal died down and interest in the whole thing waned, they would be allowed to come back and move Mary's body to a burial place of their choosing. But right now, you got a GTFO. Sadly and unfortunately, after her hasty and secret burial, Mary's body was disturbed multiple times. In 1992, someone actually stole her corpse and had it examined. They found proof that Mary had died from a gunshot wound inflicted by Rudolph. She had a bullet hole on the left side of her skull. Mary was right-handed. In 2015, Mary's farewell letters that had mysteriously disappeared dun, 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 were discovered in an Austrian bank. And it becomes clear what had happened. The content of these letters confirmed that Baroness Mary had in fact known what was going to happen at Mayerling and was a willing participant. In Mary's letter to her mother, she said she wished to be buried next to Rudolph and quote, Please forgive me for what I have done. I could not resist love. I am happier in death than in life. Well, that's just sad. I mean, she's 17. That, that is terrible. Mm -hmm. Mary writes to her sister, Hannah, just a few hours before my death, I want to say adieu. We are both going blissfully into the uncertain beyond. Don't let a crazy prince take you to his hunting cabin. Sorry. That's a good rule of thumb. It doesn't matter what time period, mm -hmm. what century you live in. You got a mad prince. Maybe don't go to his cabin. So let's go ahead and begin to talk about, just a, shutting it down here, the impact and aftermath of these deaths. Right, because suddenly the line of succession is changed. Everything has changed. That's exactly right. So conspiracy theories and rumors of Rudolph's death continue for the next 100 years. There are those who even believe that Rudolph was killed for political reasons because so many feared that he'd be an unfit monarch. In addition to the conspiracy and rumors and books and movies and operas and plays and ballets, they're all written making the story into some kind of romantic tragedy of lovers who couldn't be together in life, so they chose to be together in death, which is dumb. Can't even come up with a better word. One of these best known... <sighs> one of the best known of these depictions is the 1968 film Mayerling, starring Omar Sharif. Catherine Deneuve, and my girl, Ava Gardner. There is a 1957 television depiction of the story where Audrey Hepburn plays Baroness Mary Vetsera, and her husband at the time, Mel Farrar, plays Prince Rudolph. Nothing like cementing your marriage <laughs> together with a little murder-suicide pact. Sure. Mayerling the Ballet was open at the Royal Opera House as recently as November 2022. With Crown Prince Rudolph dead, Emperor Franz Joseph's heir was now his nephew, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Da -da. Had Rudolph lived, it is possible that his father, Franz Joseph, may have abdicated as he aged just like his uncle had done before him. This would have passed the Austro-Hungarian throne to a much more liberal and progressive monarch who opposed Austria's military alliance with Kaiser Wilhelm. Of course, the strong military alliance between Austria and Germany played a large role in triggering World War I. If Rudolf had lived, it's likely that he would not have aligned with Kaiser Wilhelm mm -hmm. as his feelings about Wilhelm have yep. been evident from day one. Yep. We will never know what may or may not have happened had Crown Prince Rudolph become emperor. Instead, as heir presumptive, 
Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo on June 28, 1914, causing Austria-Hungary to declare war against Serbia. Within weeks, the Germans, the Russians, the French, and the British had all joined in. There would ultimately be over 30 nations that declared war between 1914 and 1918. Of course, they didn't call it World War I at the time. At the time, you're... It's the Great War, right? Uh, the war to end all wars. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, Europeans mistakenly only... believed, right, it was going to be the war to end all wars and there'd never be another war. Sadly, they were wrong. And the world would be back at war with itself in 25 years. Although we typically hear much more about World War II... World War I, y'all, caused so much carnage and bloodshed that historians still have a difficult time agreeing on exactly how many people died. They all can agree that no fewer than 16.5 million people lost their lives as a result of this war. To put that into perspective, in 1914, the entire population of the Netherlands was 6.2 million. It's like losing three Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just the scope I- incredible. By the end of World War I in 1918, the Austro-Hungarian Empire no longer existed. And the rule of the Habsburgs was over. The map of Europe had completely changed. Mm-hmm. When the Austro-Hungarian Empire dissolved, the new nations of Austria, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and Yugoslavia were born, leaving Italy... Slovenia, Croatia, and Poland all now independent from the rule of the Habsburgs. Which causes a little bit more trouble, but we're not there in our story. My darlings, you trashy, trashy folks, you. That is Prince Rudolph and the Mayerling incident. Wow. You're a little stunned over that. There's a lot. Yeah. Pretty trashy. Wow. Consequences, I suppose. As for trashy crowns for mm. Prince Rudolph, I I don't know. They're all in a book. They all get little silver boxes. They all have STDs. I He's terrible. STIs these days. <laughs> Is it? Infections, not diseases. I'm not hip with the lingo. Sure. Bet. Uh-huh. I don't know. Prince Rudolph gets all the crowns. Thanks for letting me switch it up today just a little bit. We will be going back to Victoria's kids and her grandkids. Apparently, y'all are into the 19th century trash, and I can deliver that on a Mm -hmm. silver platter for you. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for your support on Patreon, for telling your fellow podcast listeners about us, for your kind reviews and your emails as well. Also, it occurs to us that some of you may not know that we also make a podcast called Trashy Divorces. It's entirely true. So if you're enjoying this and want to hear more from us check us out there we're kind of all about trashy over here it's our brand we're my most favorite litter bugs (laughs) (laughs) thanks again everybody for tuning in we will catch you back next thursday with some more 19th century sludge i love it y'all have the most tremendous week until we meet again keep your eye on the throne straighten up those crowns friends big love y'all bye bye